0: Hi, I'm Gail.
1: And hi, I'm Catherine. Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, our award-winning weekly podcast. We're excited to be in our fourth year. This has been a labor of love that now needs your support. We urge you to join Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund, or make a donation so we may continue to inspire women to age with purpose, resilience, and self-care. Visit
0: womenover70.com. And join today. And today we're happy to have in the studio Joyce Clowden Porter. Joyce is 73 and was referred by an early guest on Women Over 70, actor Judy Schendler, episode 10. Joyce was always interested in performing. She has appeared in 60 films and recently won 11 Best Actress Awards for one of them. Originally a Chicago area professor, Joyce earned her bachelor's in speech education from the University of Illinois Urbana and a master's in theater from Northwestern University. She taught college in Palos Hills for over 30 years and accepted an early retirement offer to act full time. Joyce has always enjoyed writing nonfiction. She was on the staff of her grammar and high school newspapers. Wrote a column for a neighborhood newspaper about her high school's activities, and she and her late husband were freelance journalists for The Streak, a short-lived theater newspaper. While teaching, she wrote two supplemental textbooks, Humanities on the Go and Experiencing the Arts. She was honored three times by the Chicago Tribune as one of their favorite writers of Letters to the Editor for the Year. She has many loyal followers who read her daily Facebook posts, many of which are intended to help others. Mastering Senior Life, Thriving and Surviving is her first book intended for the general public, and like those Facebook posts, it offers helpful information. So, Joyce, hello and welcome to Women Over 70. Hi, thank you for having me. We're really happy you're here. You've had a varied career in the arts, a varied career in the arts, right? Since retiring as a professor. And you say that you've always been interested in performing, singing and dancing. And so I I have two questions about that. One, what moved you to go in this direction? And two, uh, why didn't you do it earlier?
2: Oh, well, acting Mm full-time?
0: Yeah, right.
2: Well, um, okay. First of all, I got interested from a very young age. My mom would be watching uh, ballet and opera, and she'd turn on Kate Smith, and I'd be dancing along. And <laughs> I think maybe something genetic. My dad almost became an actor, and my mom loved uh, music and so on. And uh, so I took my mom, was <laughs> spent every Saturday for so many years, uh, taking me to my ballet lessons and singing lessons and so on and indulging me with that. And um, I enjoyed all that, but I really didn't have an opportunity to get involved in acting because my high school, unfortunately, unlike the high schools today, did not offer any theater. Mm-hmm. I didn't get at all involved in theater until I was in college and almost fell into it accidentally and found out that was what I was most interested in, though it was nice when I could be in the chorus of a musical and combine, you know, varied interests. Mm -hmm. And uh, then when I got my degree, I didn't have at that time the self-confidence to go to New York or L.A. and try to um, act full-time, and I had this wonderful job offer to be able to teach it and direct plays and everything. So that's what I did. And I did, while I was teaching, I did community theater on the side, besides directing plays. Oh, okay. and, and then when I was 47 years old, I got this letter from the state saying, you can retire in five years. Do you want to do it? <laughs> and, <laughs> it was kind of a shock. And um, I thought about it for a week or two. And my husband said, well, just think if you took it, we could go away for the winter and you could try acting full time.
0: Mm. <laughs> so he was supportive for yeah. sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I decided to do. And I decided that if I didn't take that offer and I had to wait another five years to retire, I might kick myself
0: afterwards. <laughs>
2: Uh Um, So that um so I retired at 52 to focus full time on acting and be able to do it. I'm very lucky. Um I don't have the worry of where is my next paycheck coming from? Can I pay the mortgage? Because I've got a pension. Yes. (laughs) Not many people have nowadays. Right. You're very lucky. Very lucky. Very lucky. Yeah. Where did you grow up? In Chicago on the north side, various places on the north side.
0: Uh-huh. And what school did you go to that didn't have any acting in it, any theater?
2: Sullivan. Yeah. And it was about 85% Jewish. And I'm sure there was a lot of talent and interest there. And we had a principal who did not believe in extracurricular activities, unfortunately. Mm. <laughs> and um, my mom was not a stage mom. She just supported me, but she never pushed. And I didn't really know about what was going on at the JCC, for example, that I could have gotten involved in. And so I um, didn't really, I kind of fell into acting because I was in a choir in my freshman year at college. And the director said, I'm, uh, they're having auditions for a play and I'm in charge of the music. It's not a musical, but it's a play with songs. And if you'd like to audition, here's the information. And I remember I went to the auditions and I still remember this from when I was 17 years old that the form said, do you want a speaking role? And I checked no. <laughs> <laughs> Intimidated by that. And then I got into the play and I was singing and I was sorry I wasn't uh, acting. And that's ah. I, I decided that was what I wanted to do.
0: Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. But it took you another many, many, many years to do it.
2: Well, I did a little acting in college, and then I was doing community theater, but I had this opportunity to have this full-time job teaching it.
0: Uh So
2: um, I didn't work at it full-time. And that was a very rewarding career. I developed a a lot of curriculum, had students that I'm still in touch with, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. did plays uh, helped design a performing arts center, etc, and then was able to retire with the pension and act without uh, financial problems right yeah. That's really a
0: good thing, isn't
2: it? yeah yeah for sure
0: so
1: joyce you 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 act you you write, but you are a playwright also, and you do films.
2: Are you uh, I leaving I, any- Yeah, no, I only write nonfiction. Okay, nonfiction. I don't have that creative bent. Though I am involved with a group called uh, Ubiquitous Players that uh, does readings and at times they have presentations of monologues that members of the group wrote and I've written a few monologues uh, and actually I didn't, Think I could do that, but the person in charge of the project said, Oh, you know, encouraged me to write something, and I did. So that was rewarding.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But they were based on true stories. So far, I don't have that creative imagination for fiction.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you have written a book recently.
2: Yes. And it's a nonfiction book. And it's called Mastering Senior Life Thriving and Surviving. It's by Joyce K. Porter. I put the K in there because there is an author, Joyce Porter. So if you look up books by Joyce Porter, you'll find quite a few, but they're not by me.
0: Right, I noticed that. Yes,
2: yes. uh, there's a British mystery writer who, interestingly enough, when I looked her up, uh, she was writing in the 40s and 50s, and I looked her up once, and she actually looked a little like me, which is kind of a strange coincidence, (laughs) (laughs) And um, so this is based, it's a combination, it's a bit of memoir of what I went through with my husband, and it's mostly practical advice, Mm -hmm. and the thriving and surviving is, the thriving is, I think I'm an example of thriving, and I'm sure most of your guests are, Mm -hmm people who approach retirement or aging with trepidation and think, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? And if I'm not working, what am I going to do? And I make the point in the first part of the book that this part of your life is a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. It could be not just the end of things. It can be the beginning of things,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: many things you can do. And I give some um, tips about how you can, do things affordably, where you can get classes affordably, or how you can attend plays at a discount, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And then I talk about how you do have to make preparations for that other part, the surviving.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And while you're healthy, you've got to fill out uh, some of those forms and get things ready and get your uh, insurance in order and your papers in order and all that. And then in the second half, I go to um, problems that you might encounter, problems that we went through and um, other problems that people might encounter. So my husband, unfortunately, had so many illnesses. Mm. I learned so much from that experience. I learned how much I didn't know and how much people generally don't know. It's like, how in the world was I supposed to know when Medicare resets? Or uh, what a CNA does, or how you pick out a nursing home. How many people know that? It's generally uh, once in a lifetime that you deal with those things, and so hopefully it
0: gives people a little guidance. Did you say? Did you say when Medicare resets? Yes. What does that mean?
2: That means um, Medicare gives you. A hundred days
0: of full coverage. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes,
2: and then um,
0: when days of full coverage for what?
2: For whatever. Well, you know, you're eighty percent, and then if you with a if you have a supplement, you know, complete coverage of your hospital stays, uh, doctor visits, et cetera. If you're in a nursing home, the first hundred days are covered, and then people told me misinformation they said, oh, it's almost the end of the calendar year. So you're next year, you'll get another 100 days.
0: Mm. Or mm.
2: If you transfer to a different nursing home, you'll get another 100 days and that's, that's not true. And um, that's the sort of thing that's in the book. The only way the 100 days resets is if you're out of a facility for a while and then get a new illness
1: mm-hmm.
2: or if you go to a different level of care so for example paul was in intensive care then he was in a long-term care hospital so his medicare reset then he was in a nursing home so the medicare reset mm-hmm. but if he had gone to a different nursing home it wouldn't have reset
0: oh the type of care that you get that triggers the reset, huh?
2: Yeah, the level of care,
0: mm-hmm. right? That's and the sort yeah. of thing
2: that people just don't know. And how are you supposed to know all that? And that's that's in the book. And then I've also got a checklist, like if you have to, when if someone passes, what do you you know some? What are some of the things you have to think about? Um, mm-hmm. And I've got a list because at that time, who went? who wants to go to the library and do research or be calling around or whatever. So you've got a list right there. You need to contact the following people, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Sure. That's helpful. Very helpful. Yeah. You, you, um, when you and I spoke, we talked about your strong feelings about ageism, which of course correspond to ours and mm-hmm. you decided to go gray during the COVID shutdown. What
2: mm-hmm.
0: What, what do you want to say about
2: that? Well, uh, most of the scripts I see are written by young men <laughs> and the uh, only roles that you see are almost always that the older people are either comic relief or nursing home patients. Mm-hmm. You... Yeah so rarely see an older woman in a role of power. I mean, sometimes you do, um, but pretty rarely. Mm -hmm. And and so I think there's this general societal attitude too. I mean, okay, uh, recently I was coming out of a building and there were ice on the steps and someone offered to take my arm and help me out, which was fine. I appreciated that. Um, but he called me sweetie, you know, that's so just like condescending, like, oh, here's this little old lady I've got to help. Uh, and sometimes I'll be with a group of people and I'll say, oh, and what do you do and go around and and what do you do or did or whatever. And people will say to me, what do you do? It's like, uh, okay, I'm just, you know. I think there's an attitude of that's an older person, so they can't be very interesting or do a lot of things.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you prove them different. Yeah, yeah. And I think I get more
2: of this um, attitude of, she's an old lady since I went gray. Ah. Mm
0: -hmm. What made you decide to go gray? It's
2: better for acting, for roles, for the kinds of roles that I get submitted for. Hmm. And I actually think it looks rather attractive now that it's fully grown out.
0: Hmm. It was
2: a challenge growing it out. but if, And that's why I always hesitated. But um, a friend of mine told me about a product you can comb in that will keep it brown until it's fully grown out and it just washes out. So you wash it out and you're gray.
0: (laughs) That's useful. Very useful. Yes. Well, I've gone through this myself. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I wish I had known about that product then.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Because it does look weird when someone's growing their hair out and they're partly one color and partly another color.
0: Right. Right. Do you wanna share more of uh, h- how long your husband was ill or what kind of illness he had? Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, well, he had, believe it or not, he had strokes, seizures, open heart surgery, hearing loss, uh, Dreschler syndrome, which was a complication to the open heart surgery that kept in, him in the hospital for three months. He had bouts mm-hmm. of pneumonia, Mm. He had congestive heart failure. He had four cardioversions, which is where they shock your heart to get rid of AFib and reset your heart. He had Parkinson's, mm. mobility issues. He had, uh, I mean, it's just unbelievable, a super pubic catheter. Uh, and then finally, well, he had West Nile virus. Oh my. None of those so, other things were fatal, but it was the uh, West Nile that we condemned oh. much.
1: So Joyce, can you were you the primary caregiver during this time?
2: Yes. Well, up until yeah. the time that he got the West Nile virus. Mm-hmm.
1: But can you talk about that about your experience as a as the caregiver?
2: Well, um, Paul was it, it was kind of a gradual thing. So like with the Parkinson's, for example, it was, at first it was just, oh, I just helped him with maybe buttoning his shirt or um, we reduced the number of tasks he did around the house. and But it got to be more and more, but it was kind of gradually built up, but it was still manageable. Um, I could still leave him
1: mm-hmm.
2: and have to have someone full time. But um, I would do things like um, get his food ready, leave it in the microwave so he could just start it if it was going to be gone for a meal. But it did, after a while, it did get to be more difficult for him. So that's one of the reasons I stopped doing live theater. Mm. Because uh, live theater involves so much time in rehearsals as, and performances that I was gone a lot and I didn't think it was fair to him. It was a challenge for him. And he went from uh walking to using a cane to using a rollator and it was getting more difficult for him with the mobility issues. Mm. Sure. But I always encouraged him to get out. And sometimes and one thing I didn't mention on the list of his many ills was depression. Which, considering how many things he had wrong, it's not surprising that he had that. And sometimes something would come up, and like a concert or whatever, and he loved classical music. And he'd say, oh, I don't know if I feel like going. Oh, it's such an effort to go. And I would encourage him. And we worked out very practical things, like um, I mentioned in the book about how we had a rollator in the house and a rollator in the car. So I didn't have to carry a rollator up and down the
0: stairs. What is a rollator, Joyce? That's a walker with um, wheels and a seat. I see. Okay. Mm -hmm.
2: And then we also got a mobility scooter, which is motorized, which he would use if we were, let's say, going to a park or somewhere where it would be a longer walk. Mm -hmm. And uh, it all took a lot of figuring out. (laughs) That's one of the reasons they wrote uh, the book. A lot of figuring out how to do this, what to do. It was a challenge, but we both felt that it was important that I keep my acting career going while I was doing all this. Mm. Um, Paul agreed with me that he wanted me to be able to get out and do things and not just be home all the time taking care of him. Sure. Yeah. Wow. They all, you know, if I'm going out, he'd say, oh, that's okay. I'll just sit in this chair and watch TV till you get back. <laughs>
0: yeah. So you never had help inside the house? No, we didn't.
2: Um, when he got back from the open heart surgery and the complication, we did for about a week, but that's, that's all.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm
2: cuz he was pretty weak at that point. Yeah. And
0: we never found it necessary. <laughs> Sounds like this was over a long period of time.
2: It was. It was um the West Nile was a period of 7 months and then I was not doing any care cuz he was intensive care and then you know nursing home and all that. Mm. But the parkinsons and everything, yeah, that was over a period of several years. Mhm. And that we, we learned to deal with it, like we learned what, the signs of pneumonia. So the first time he had pneumonia uh, was the worst. He was in intensive care and everything because we didn't know the signs. But then after that, we he was starting to get it, we were able to catch it early and um, get him to a doctor or whatever was needed. So it didn't get as serious. It
0: seems to me that your creative side came out during all
2: of this caregiving. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Though Paul was also um, creative. We actually met in a play.
0: Oh, (laughs) we
2: were cast as husband and wife. (laughs) And as he said, we took the roles too much to heart. (laughs) And uh, he had a, a very creative imagination. And so sometimes I came up with the ideas about how to deal with things. And sometimes he did hmm As a team.
0: Sure. Wow. Well, so what's next for you?
2: Two things. Uh, one is that um, I'm promoting the book, so I'm doing a couple of talks. Yeah. And I don't want to make a full-time career of doing that. I mean, one could, you know, contacting every retirement place, but I'm certainly open to, if anyone as a suggestion for a place where they might like to talk about it, they can contact me at Joyce Porter at Mm yahoo.com. So so that's one. Um, Then the other one is more acting. I've got two films coming up this year that I'm cast in. I'm always uh, auditioning. I just had an audition a week or so ago for the TV show, The Bear, which I didn't get, but I really enjoyed the audition and um, I'm about to head out to LA to go to a film festival because that film that you mentioned that I've won awards for is going to be in the festival, and so I'll be doing a lot of networking in LA because that's where, unfortunately, most of the things are cast, not only things that you think of as being shot in LA, but even the larger roles in the Chicago shows, believe it or not, with the talent pool we have here, are we often cast in L.A.
0: What was the name of the movie, Joyce? It's called Stairs. Stairs. Yes. S-T-A-I-R-S?
2: S-T-A-I-R-S. Okay. And it's just been incredible. I've just, the, uh, my director left the field and so he was not promoting it and i decided to do something very unusual as an actor and submit it to festivals myself yeah. and i had the money to do it because that's the reason people sometimes don't is um because it adds up but yeah. because of that i've gone to festivals it's been exciting uh, i've gone to festivals in la new york Han france so um as well as in the Midwest, so it's been pretty exciting. And now I'm going to one that's going to be at the Chinese Theater in Hollywood. Oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, yeah, So uh, it's been very exciting.
0: Mm-hmm. Sounds awesome. like Catherine. Were you going to say something? Oh
2: uh, no, but I will. Um,
1: so I was just wondering, Joyce, how you think about? Do you think about aging your own aging process?
2: Oh yeah, of course. I mean, how can we not? But my feeling is all the more reason to do what I can do while I can do it. <laughs> Take the most of the time, maybe, you know, 10 years from now or whatever, it won't be so easy to fly off to France or, oh, and I just took a trip to Ecuador, which had nothing to do with acting. It was just a tour. Mm-hmm but it did involve a lot of walking and so on. And I'm thinking, I don't think I could do this 10 years from now. So you got to make the most of the time you have while you can do it.
0: Yes. (laughs) That's good advice. For sure. And
2: what were you doing in Ecuador? Did you go to the Galapagos Islands? Yes. Yes. Uh, It was a great tour. And we did, we went to two cities we went to the Amazon, we went to the Galapagos Islands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was pretty pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Very cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. We really appreciate your Welcome. being on women over 70, aging than you imagined. And, well, thank you. Yeah. It was great to have you. Yes, it was. So listeners, at the
1: beginning of the podcast, we urged you to join Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund. Aging Reimagined Circle hosts our monthly interactive programs. So we encourage you to engage in these probing discussions and lend your voice to these important conversations about issues that matter to women. Visit womenover70.com to join.